Hello everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday to everyone. We are now in the season of Septuagesima, which is the pre-Lenten season, and so normally the lights will be purple for the next few weeks with the uh, the uh, occasional uh, change of color when there is a feast day. Today is the feast of Saint uh, Romuald, who was an abbot, a uh, very early church abbot, so that's the reason why we are rocking the bright white lights today. But tonight, we're going to be talking about my most anticipated films of 2023. As I said, I'd be getting to these topics as we went along further in the year, so I've done my top movies of the year, my worst movies of the year. Now we're moving on to my most anticipated films of 2023, and yes, indeed, there are indeed some films that I think are worth looking forward to. Most of them just look like they're going to be a fun time at the theater. Uh, a lot of them are more so action-heavy. And then there's a couple, too, that I thought, hey, I actually didn't even know that this film even existed or knew much about this film, watched the trailer for them, and I said, hey, this movie probably made it onto my list. So I have a kind of an honorable mentions, but basically for, for anticipated films, I've, I've said a could-be-fun list. So I have about five could-be-fun movies. Who knows? They could be fun. They, they could be terrible. Um, and then I have five that I'm actually looking forward to that I'm actually planning on going to see opening night um, based off of everything that I've seen. And some of them should be no surprise, as I imagine they are on some of your most anticipated films list as well. But we'll talk also tonight about the battle domestically between Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick as, yeah, let's just say uh, Avatar uh, kind of hit some rough water today. Um, as far as the Monday box office is concerned, concern, I should rather say, um, the Monday reporting is that it made $718,000. This is the first time that the movie has made less than a million dollars officially on the uh, box office for the domestic market. So made not only under a million dollars, but made 300000 under a million on that Monday versus the eighth Monday for Top Gun Maverick at $1.8 million. And so this is something that I've been tracking now for a long time because... Again, Avatar 2 clearly is the, is the international winner. This film, tracking towards 2.2, probably going to end somewhere around $2.3, $2.4 billion by the end of its run. So very successful film nonetheless. And that, of course, is much uh, far ahead, very far ahead than the $1.4, $1.5 billion of Top Gun Maverick. That being said, what is going to be interesting is going to see where the domestic numbers end up because domestically, Top Gun Maverick was the best film of 2022 as far as how much it made. It made $718 million. The question is going to be, is Top Gun Maverick going to be able to hold on to that number one spot or is avatar wave water going to not only have the worldwide lead for 2022 but also to the domestic lead as well so it's going to be very interesting to see where those numbers end up and i did see a couple people mentioning things going on with amc and how they are apparently changing their pricing scheme and i'm going to give a bit of a nuanced take on that one because i probably am not going to have a similar take than than some other people especially if you are someone that doesn't think there's a lot of good films or if you're someone who doesn't go to see a lot of movies anyway i could see why my take on it would be a little bit different than what your your take might be and also i'm going to talk a little bit about my very limited experience with MoviePass because that's right, everybody. MoviePass is back. I actually have my MoviePass card. They sent me three. If you follow me on social media, you saw that I had posted this. They sent me three separate cards 
Uh, I don't know exactly why, but they <laughs> sent me three, all with three different numbers on them. Activated one, and uh, still have not yet had a chance to check it out. I'm hoping to be able to check that out either tomorrow or Thursday, um, and uh, I will let you all know if it works and if I find that it is worth it. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on one's use case. But before going any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, lap that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. Smash the rumble button as well. And uh, thank you again for joining me on this lovely, lovely Tuesday night. Let me go ahead and pull up my Rumble chat as well, as I've reminded myself of that. Right now, we are hanging out on YouTube, Odyssey, and on Rumble, and also live on Twitter as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to the people. We got Snortapoopus Cuber. What's going on, Snortapoopus? Thank you very much for being here. Thanatos Felicitas, what's going on? Random question to start things off. What was the beer bug protocol that you followed? Um... I mean, in the very, very beginning, when I was working uh, as, as a teacher, I had to to mask up in the very early times of that. And as the times went on, I started to fight against it. Tina B, Empress of the Universe, hanging out in the chat as well. Again, for anyone who is responding to her, she can't really see any of the chat. She's still uh, dealing with some eye issues, so she's using her voice to text chat. So she might be putting out some comments uh, here and there, but just know that it's very hard for her to see a lot of these different responses. For her, there is a uh, none of the above option. She does not have any anticipated uh, movies for 2020, uh, 2023. Um, I do think that there are some films worth uh, that seem like they're worth going to see, but course everyone's going to be a little bit different there we got the master of gaming hail to you thank you very much for being here gary banjo sandwich worthington what's going on says everyone's playing hogwarts game but me yeah and obviously i know that that's a very big deal a lot of people are playing the hogwarts legacy game that's a game that i will probably end up buying once it becomes available on the nintendo switch because that is the newest system that i have obviously i could get it on on steam or i could get it on pc but the only reason why i want to get it is not for me to play but for my wife my wife is a huge Harry Potter fan. She's obsessed with the books. She's, you know, she likes the movies okay. She likes the earlier films a little bit more than the later films, but she is a hardcore uh, book fan. And so I'm actually wanting to get it for her. And since we have the Switch already, I figure I can probably wait until I think the summertime is when that film uh, is when that is expected to finally come out over. Um, over the summer for the Switch. So I think that I could probably wait on that. But based on the gameplay that I have seen, uh, the effects seem to look pretty good. I'm not a video game connoisseur, so I cannot speak to the effects within video games themselves. But it does seem interesting. I was watching a little bit of uh, Melanie Max coverage um, of the game, and that's about all I really. I just got to watch like a few minutes of that. Uh, as you all know, I do full. I have a full time job, so when a lot of people were streaming this, I was at work. And then when I got off of work, usually I like to just detox and watch random YouTube videos. And eventually, I saw that that was going on, and so I, I watched a little bit of it. So it seems like it's decent, but I can't really say much for sure. Uh, Jacques Lesuave hanging out over on Honesty, saying, "I saw the clip of Baby." Thor I see the pineapple has fallen very, very far from the tree. Yeah. Um, so on Friday Night Tights, I did share a video. And uh, yeah, Baby Thor took a, a little container that had uh, pineapple and... Uh, oh, what was the other thing in there? I think it was pear. Pineapples and pears. So his little fruit cup. He pours it on top of his pizza and then subsequently eats it. So he was eating pineapple pizza. And uh, yeah, broke my heart. Broke my heart. Um, I, I Obviously, he's, he's young. He doesn't know the difference. Um, he does not have full full consent of his will at this point in in his in his life, and so therefore I will not I will not make him excommunicate. I will not declare him excommunicado. Um, but I <laughs> but I will be keeping an eye on him, and I will be making sure that uh, these types of mistakes are not made in the future. 
<laughs> it was pretty funny to watch it happen live, though. Uh, the R, what's going on? Good, sir. Thanks for being here. Great Wuda, what's going on? Says, are we going to talk the AMC theaters as well? Yeah, I guess I'll, g- I'll give a little bit of talk about AMC. So basically, for those that are not aware, those who have not been following the story, AMC is implementing new uh, prices for their seats. They basically have uh, sightline seats. So I guess they're being seen as more like premium seats. I guess it's like center aisle, center row. And these uh, these sightline seats are going to be uh, basically costing a little bit extra. Uh, they're going to be increasing the ticket prices for these, uh, but only for the post um, only for the post matinee pricing. So I do think it's important for us to get the full context. So if you go to a matinee showing, all the ti- all the pricing I believe is the same on the Tuesday uh, five dollar Tuesday discounts they offer. All the pricing is the same. It's going to be anytime after Tuesday off Tuesday. When you're going to see a film after the matinee time, they do then will implement these sight line. And again, it's very weird. It kind of reminds me a little bit about the theater, actually, how you have the, the Broadway orchestra section, but then you have like the rear orchestra, the side orchestra, you have the partial view, etc. Though it's weird for a movie because pretty much every seat in a theater, you can see the screen perfectly fine. Um, obviously, I think it's definitely preferable to be in the middle, more so for sound than for visuals than anything else. So I definitely think it's it's weird for them to do that. I think that it's it's definitely something that I can understand why people would be upset that they're increasing the price of those tickets, right, of, of the sight line. But then also they're decreasing the price for those who have to get stuck in like the first two rows. So those are going to be really cheap tickets. And then it's the regular price for those that are seen as just standard viewing tickets. So it's going to be interesting to see what zone exactly they say is sight line versus not. And I think it's going to make, especially buying tickets in the future when you're buying them in advance and you get to reserve your seats, I think it's going to be interesting to see where people buy their tickets now based upon the pricing, since, again, there will be some increases. I did not see anywhere about how much more they're actually charging per per ticket, um, but I do want to say a couple of things, because obviously I understand why some people would be upset with that, but there's a couple of things I think that, that we need to consider. One, movie theaters are struggling. You know, we can look at Avatar Way of Water. We can try and say, hey, you know what? That film's bringing in, you know, billions of dollars. But even that is not making up for the fact that uh, the box office is down across the board. It has been going down for a very long time. Now, obviously, I think that one of the things that movie theaters should be doing instead of charging people more is trying to entice them to actually want to go see their films by, you know, improving the movie-going experience. And a lot of theaters have been doing that, right? They've been adding the reclining seating, the dine-in service, things like that. But... I think that this is just one of the ways that they're just testing out to see, one, would people be willing to pay a more premium price for these, you know, so-called, you know, premium viewing screen uh, seats? And then, two, would this be enough for them to be able to maybe make a little bit of extra money back? So I can understand it from a business perspective, at the very least, why they might want to do this, because movie theaters are in a very, very bad state. Secondly, this does not affect someone like me who has the AMC A-list. If you have an AMC A-list account then you're not going to be impacted by this because you still get the three movies every single week. So if you're an avid moviegoer and your local theater is an AMC, this is not going to affect you. If you're the person that goes to see one or two movies a year, it's going to impact you, but just by how much. I mean, if you're going to see one or two movies a year and you're paying an extra dollar for a ticket, again, on principle, I can understand why that is is definitely something that is is worthy of criticism. But then at the same time, if you're already not going to see that many movies already... How much of a difference does that actually make? 
And then you add to the fact that MoviePass is now back into the mix of things. And with MoviePass, the way that their system is working, it seems that that is not going to matter. Whatever seat it is that you buy from AMC theaters will be covered by the MoviePass. And so you could get a MoviePass paid $10 a month for that and be able to see one to three movies, uh, be able to see one to three movies a month, you know, if that is something that, again, appeals to you. Also, what's interesting about the, uh, the movie pass is that you can actually get rollover credits. So any credits that you don't use can roll over up to two months worth. And I think it's interesting. So right now it's in its early infancy. I have not tested MoviePass out yet, MoviePass 2.0. So I cannot say whether or not it's going to be a, a good system or not. But for those that don't see a lot of movies, it could be. And that could be another way of getting around this. Because if you're paying $10 and you get to see one to three movies uh, a month on that $10, uh, $10 uh, subscription fee, that means that you can go see films that cost $10 to $15 and therefore save a lot of money on that. Right. And so ultimately, again, I understand why people are upset that they are raising money, but I do think it's one important to understand from the business side of things how they need to make money back some way. And obviously, we know how much money they make back on popcorn and soft drinks. This is something that I've been always very open about. You all know that I worked for an AMC for many years. And so the return on investment that they would get from popcorn and from soft drinks is just insane, right? It's just insane the, the amount of uh, profits they make on that. But then at the same time, you have to remember they get almost nothing when it comes to ticket sales. In the first two weeks, typically, they only get about a dollar for every $10 spent. And so one of the reasons why they spend or they, they uh, charge so much for those movies, or rather charge so much for the, for the popcorn and the soft drinks, is to make up for how much money they're not making in those ticket sales. So you look at films like uh, Top Gun Maverick or a film like Avatar... And you have to recognize that the vast majority of that money is going to be going back directly to the studio. The longer the film is out, especially if it's a very strong performer, that means more and more money will start to go to those theaters. So I understand it from the business side of it. I also understand it from the consumer side of why people are upset. Again, I completely understand why anyone would be upset by that and would say, I'm not going to go to AMC then to, 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 to watch a movie there. But my question is, well, how much are they raising it by? If they're, are they raising it just by a dollar? And if that is the case, if you're already only seeing one or two movies a year, does it really impact you all that much? I guess it would be my other thing. And then, again, if you love going to the movies, get an AMC A-list because it's well worth it <laughs> if you see a lot of movies in a given year. And then maybe even look into things like MoviePass if you see maybe one movie a month or something to that effect. Because, one, you have the capacity to be able to save a lot of money from that by paying the $10 a month for, for the MoviePass and still getting return on investment because of the tickets you go to see. And then also you have the rollovers and they're going to be able to obviously be able to, you know, eventually over time change that so that you can then also use credits to get 3D movies and IMAX, you know, et cetera. So again, I know that everyone's going to have differing opinions on that, but I think that I, I just, again, I'm trying to take that more balanced approach of I understand the business side of it, but I also understand the consumer side of it as well. And hey, it's one of those things where it's like the dodgeball quote. It's like, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, right? Let's see how it plays out. Because if it's a fail, guess what? AMC has been known to try things or these businesses have been known to try things and then realize they don't work and then have been able to, to bring things back. We'll see. We'll see if it's able to actually work out when everything is said and done. Anyway, getting back into the chat, we got uh, CJM75. What is going on, Bruce? Welcome back, Bruce. Thank you very much for, for being here. Uh, Joey Horn, who is a member on the channel, hail to you. Marcus Cato is in the chat as well. Thank you very much for being here. 
Cantina still hanging out. Forever Sci-Fi, hail to you. Thanatos Felicitas, thank you for tagging me, saying you need to get a disco ball. <laughs> so here's the fun thing. So actually, uh, just today, uh, some construction, or really deconstruction started. Uh, for those that, I, I've mentioned this previously, when we bought this house four years ago, or roughly, it's crazy to think, it's been, what, three years maybe that we've been in this house? This house specifically, it, it used to be used as an Airbnb, and so there were actually two kitchens. And so because we are planning, again, nothing official is happening yet. Just want everyone, everyone to know the, the, the lady Freya is not is not is not with child at the moment or anything like that. Uh, but we are planning, of course, to to have more children. And so in order to try to prepare for that, we need another uh, bedroom. The office that I'm in right now or what is my office right now is a perfect size for an actual bedroom. And so because of that, we are now basically tearing out the kitchen and that is going to become my new studio. So over the next couple of months, I will start to move locations. So you'll see some different colors as far as the, the painting on the wall. And, and I'm going to have my wife try to do some design stuff with it. So, hey, I might actually have like a legit background and stuff. I don't know about the disco ball, but uh, things will be uh, a changing um, over the next couple of months as far as where I am. Uh, Orange Eye Reviews, thank you very much for being here as a member and also as being uh, the newest mod on the channel. Again, I always I very much appreciate it. It says, sorry I'm late. Had to make a video to update the Baldwin situation. Absolutely, Orange Chat. Again, um, for anyone who is ever a mod or anything like that, whatever you need to take care of, you take care of you. Just nice to have just backup in the chat, basically. Uh, Andrew Hayes, what's going on? Welcome back. Thanks for tagging me. Kimberly G, who is a member on the channel. Howdy, howdy, howdy. She's saying howdy to Tina. Glad to see you in the chat. Absolutely, everyone's giving a lot of love to Tina in the chat. Keely Chow in the chat, what's going on? And since I know you're going to ask the question, I'm doing fine. Baby Thor's doing fine. And also, the Lady Freya is doing fine as well. Orange Eye Reviews, indeed. Please make sure to smash the like button, like the fire button, Ozzy, and smash the rumble button as well. Uh, let's see. We've got Bianca Zombie saying aloha dudes over on Rumble. Thank you very much for doing so. And again, if you are on Rumble, please make sure to smash that rumble button. And uh, also, check out the live chat. I think that if you're on mobile, I remember for a while there were issues with not being able to chat in mobile for some reason. Uh, so if you're having those issues, do know there is a live chat a live chat box. But wherever you are, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. And let us know you're trying to get my attention. Let's see. The Hidden B uh, says, hey, all first time in the chat. Hey, well, welcome, good sir. Thank you very much for being here. Always great to see some first timers in the chat. Let's see what we're rocking with tonight. About 43 people watching. Thank you very much. I know you could be watching the 10,000 people that are playing Hogwarts Legacy right now. So thank you for, for checking out uh, this channel. I'll be giving my most anticipated films of the year in just a few. I just want to try and get the hellos out of the way. Super Anime Gamer says, hey, well, what is up, my dude? What is going on? Thank you very much for being here. Uh, Tina, yeah, so, yeah, Titanic is getting released, and I believe it's getting released in, in 3D, so, <laughs> I mean, not only are they re-releasing it after 25 years, it's also getting re-released in 3D, which is probably why the amount of money it's expected to make this weekend is, is as high as it is. It actually might end up being either the number two or number three film this weekend. Uh, Alice McCarthy, what's going on, good sir, says, howdy, old, and how's it going? How's the little pineapple on pizza fan? Don't remind me. It still hurts. Uh, don't know what movies I'm looking forward to. Still having headaches from, uh, from heck. So just going to listen if you don't mind. Absolutely, Alex. Please take care of yourself. Brian Barth, what's going on? Great Wooda says, oh no, please don't tell me that you support this AMC nonsense. As I said, I'm a little bit more mixed on it, right? I understand what they're doing from a business perspective because they do need to make more money somewhere. I obviously think that there probably are better ways that they could do that. 
but I can understand why they would be doing something like this. And my question really ultimately is, how much more are they going to be charging? And then also, too, what kind of an impact is it actually going to have, right? If that's something that impacts your uh, patronage to AMC, hey, there are plenty of other places to go. I always say go wherever it is, you know, go to and you know, give patronage to the theater that is nearest to you. For me, I'm I'm surrounded by AMCs and I used to work at AMC, so it actually works out very well for me because I think the AMC A-list is a really good deal for someone who sees movies or tries to see as many movies as I do. Um, and so it works for me. If you are living near a Regal, though, Regal has their own uh, subscription service plan. I've heard some pretty good things about that one. Uh, I think Cinemark also has a plan as well. And again, I think that each one has its own you know, its own benefits. Movie Pass is now back in the game as well. And as I've mentioned, once I actually get to try out Movie Pass and, and go to an actual theater to see if it works, I'll let you know if it's still a scam or if it's gonna actually possibly be worth it in the in the long run. We'll have to wait and see. Alrighty. Let's see. Griffin Turbo is hanging out in the chat. NR nineteen seventy eight, what is going on? Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, let's see. Do 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 do. But what I can say is I'm definitely not anti-AMC. Uh, I'm not going to be giving up on AMC or boycotting AMC because of what they're doing. Because ultimately, it's again, it seems like a business decision. And as I said, you, you just look at the financials. And I mean, have you seen AMC stock recently? Long before they were doing this, their their stock was just plummeting. And that's because movie theaters just in general are struggling a lot. So that's why I do understand that there is a business argument to be made to why they're doing this. Do I think it's the best decision that they could be making? No. Do I think there's probably better things that they could be doing? Sure. But I do still understand it from, from that business perspective. I also understand anyone who's upset by it. But I would say I wouldn't let that be the thing that says I'm done with this specific theater chain. I mean, obviously, do what you want to do with your own money. Um, but if you are someone that sees a lot of movies anyway and you live near an AMC, I don't know why you wouldn't already have a... AMC A list, and that means that you wouldn't be impacted by this at all. Uh, Abomination, what's going on? I see you hanging out over on Odyssey. Gary Banjo says, I will choose the seats away from the Gimps and Woke, please. <laughs> exactly. And I guess that's the real question. Well, here's the thing, right? I would say that the people who scream the loudest, like on Twitter, are the ones who probably aren't going to see the movies anyway. So in a way, it's almost like this interesting like social experiment. It's like, are you trying to say like the wealthy elite would be the ones who are like in the prime seats? Because again, if it's just a dollar difference, if you're only seeing a movie or two a year, that's not much of a difference. If you're someone that goes to see a lot of movies, those dollars build up over time. But then again, I go back to why aren't you on the AMC A-list or on something else? Let's see, Harwick says, you've opened these peaceful realms to the horror and desolation of pineapple pizza. You are unworthy in the name of my father and his father before I father cast you out. No, I will not be casting out baby Thor. He doesn't know any better. Scott McKenzie, what is going on? Thank you very much for, for being here. I appreciate it. Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. It's going to make the theaters more money. Yeah, you don't need it. Uh, again, I, as I've said, I, I'm critical of what they're doing. Um, I understand the criticism to be made, but they do need to make more money. They're they're not in a very good situation right here. Uh, Tina says, when AMC starts cleaning their, their bathrooms, I might consider it. At this point, I don't think they clean the restroom before the pandemic. In fact, I know they haven't. Well, here's the other thing, right, Tina, is it's always important to remember that not every single AMC is the same. So there have been a plethora of AMCs 
There have been a plethora of regals and cinemarks. Again, there are theaters, if they are the main theater in town, sometimes they don't feel like they really need to compete. And so you're going to find nasty restrooms at almost any theater. I, I would say the, the smaller regional chains probably tend to have a little bit more care when it comes to customer service on things like that. For instance, I would imagine that an Alamo Draft House probably has pretty good and pretty main, pretty well made. I have never been to one, so I can't speak from experience. Um, but with with that being said, I've gone to some that have had bad bathrooms. I've gone to some that have had good bathrooms. Um, so again, I think that depends on where you are ultimately. Let's see. For a sci-fi who's a member says, I don't have an issue with AMC as long as the extra money isn't going to Hollywood. I'm okay. Yeah, and again, it's going straight to the theaters in those in those instances. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi then says, at least AMC isn't doing satanic performances sponsored by Pfizer that the memes write themselves now. Exactly, yes. At least they're not going that route. At the very least, they're not going that route. Your average Patriot Nerd says, hail chats. What's going on? Thanks for being here. Appreciate you being here. Scott McKenzie says, cool on the home and studio improvements. Ah, very, very nice. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the other option, too. Like, that's the one thing that... I think that these the the studios definitely screwed theaters over. And again, I think this might be one of the reasons why the the theaters are doing this. When studios introduced the concept of much shorter turnarounds, right? So much shorter release frames, what they did was they screwed the theaters over in a lot of ways. And so this might be one of the ways that and one of the few ways that at least AMC has looked at and said hey, th this is probably going to be one of the few things that we can really do to even maybe just scratch the surface of, of the amount of revenue that we're losing because of a lot of these films going to streaming either almost immediately or very soon after. Forever Sci-Fi says, I set aside Hog Hogwarts Legacy to be here. No need to rush. Well, Forever Sci-Fi. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be there at the, in the end of the day. Then as Felicity says, I preferred the Poseidon Adventure over Titanic. The movie started with the ship getting sunk. Interesting. Forever Sci-Fi says, Odin thought it was Thor, but really, he's Loki. Only Luke, only Loki would eat pineapple on pizza. Oh, there's there's something to be said for that, for sure. Great Wooda says, $2 in the middle of the theater and cheaper for the seats at the front of the theater. So it's just, okay, so $2 more for those. So again, if you only go to see one or two movies a year, that's not a whole lot. Second, if you go to see more than that and you go to see a movie once a month, then... Hey, maybe you need to look into MoviePass because then you'll just save money in the long run with that because you can see one to three movies a month. And again, I, I still need to test it before I give my full support of it as, again, MoviePass has had some sketchy history in the past. Um, and then if you go see a lot of movies, then you should already have the AMC A-List or the Regal Unlimited or, again, because, again, other theaters might very well follow in suit and do very similar things for all we know. Just another red shirt. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being in the chat. All right, looking for people. Again, if you have a comment or question that you want me to read, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. Let me know you're trying to get my attention, unless you're a member on the channel. Uh, Master Gaming says, Oppenheimer is your most anticipated awesome Mission Impossible 7. I, I, will, I, will, I will not confirm nor deny what is and also whether or not, it, you know, what part of the list it's on. Laura, the modern major general, what's going on? Okay, we're going to jump into that list in just a second. Uh, Trent Johnson, what's going on? Welcome back. Appreciate you being here. 
Let's see. Tina says, just remember that uh, when Avatar 49 makes a zillion dollars at the box office, it'll be because of the high ticket prices and they're charging uh, one million for premium tickets. And also remember that those those, those ticket prices are going to be more so influenced by the studio than by the actual AMC slash Regal slash Cinemark. People need to remember also that ticket prices are not just set by the uh, movie theater chains. They're also set and influenced by the studio as well. So let's let's never forget that either. The Morak, what's going on? Looking forward to your anticipated list. Thank you, good sir. Jacob Ironside also in the chat. JKBuck76 is what's uh, hail. What's going on? Uh, Miss Martin Musa says you got to go to Alamo Draft House. Hey, as soon as they open up here near me in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I will gladly go and, and you know give them some patronage. Maybe the next time I'm down in in Texas, I think I I might try to go to the what was it with the Fan Expo that's in Dallas. Um, over the summer, uh, maybe that's a very long drive. It was, it was, it was like the the just the furthest extent of my capacity to drive. I don't know if I can do that one again because that's really the only time that I'm ever really in Texas. And I know that they're expanding out to other states, but as far as the nearest ones near me, um, yeah, I've heard great things about them for sure. Definitely heard the best things about, heard a lot of great things about them. All right, so I'm going to leave the comments there. Let's go ahead then and dive into my most anticipated films of 2023. And so just like with what I've done previously, what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to treat this um, kind of like a regular video. So that way I can clip this part and then put it up as my main video tomorrow. Just helps to, you know... <laughs> keep myself a little bit sane of, of not having to, to, you know, do too much content over, you know, one over the other. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into, dive, dive into this, this list. All right. So finally, I have put together my list of my most anticipated films of 2023. I put out my best of list. I put out my worst of list. I'm working on my biggest losers of 2022 as well, as far as the box office is concerned, the biggest studios that lost, the biggest winners that that won as far as the box office is concerned. But obviously that one is going to take a little bit longer since there are some films that are still making lots of money into 2022 that still count towards 2022 profit margins and so that one will be a little bit delayed but I have my most anticipated films there are actually about 10 movies that I have interest in going to see five of them I actually really want to go see and I will probably go see opening night the top three for sure and then there's also five others that hey they might be fun so let's go ahead and dive into this list starting off again when it comes to oops I hope I didn't mess up anything there. I was on the wrong screen. Anyway, that's what happens when you do things live. So this is my honorable mention section, but as far as being a movie that's anticipated, I feel like it's hard to say an honorable mention for that. So I'm going to say this is the could be fun list. Could be fun. Could be a lot of fun. Could be terrible for all we know. We'll have to wait and see. The first one on my list, by the way, these are uh, for my could be fun list. They are in order of release date. So you have the most recent, uh, the, the newest release, which is set to come out, I think, in the next week or so. And then after that, it's about a week or two weeks between each of the other releases. And so this first one, I would say, is probably a bit of a joke. But I do have a genuine, I have a genuine intrigue just to see how the concept of this movie is going to play out. I don't really necessarily want to see this movie, but it's interesting enough as a premise and the fact that they bought the rights to this as soon as they became available and decided to go this route with it. I'm intrigued. Again, I don't think it's going to be good, but I'm intrigued by the concept. And that, of course, is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, this film is expected to come out over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, again, do I think it's going to be good? No. 
is this my genre of movie? No. Does it look like it's going to be potentially hilarious? Yes, it very well could be. Again, it's a Winnie the Pooh story with blood and honey. It's about, what, a killer Winnie the Pooh? I don't know. There's just something about that that just seems kind of entertaining to me. And so, therefore, it is uh, my could-be-fun list. Could-be-terrible. Could-be-hilarious. Could-be-awful. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But anyway, Winnie the Pooh is uh, the first on my could-be-fun list. And again, this is an order of release date. My next could-be-fun movie is, of course, Cocaine Bear. I think a lot of people were probably expecting that to be on the list somewhere. Cocaine Bear, again, the trailer for it looks like it could be a really good time. Some of the CGI elements definitely bother me a lot. The fact that you do have a, a, a director for this movie who I just do not trust Um, Elizabeth Banks as the director for this movie. I do not trust her as a director. The only thing that I think is the possible saving grace for this film possibly being a really fun time is the fact that the movie is being written by someone that's not Elizabeth Banks. So who knows? It could be fun. It could be fun because of that reason. But Elizabeth Banks is directing it. So that's why this is not on my official most anticipated list because this film could be fun, but also it could be pretty garbage and this film is expected to come out in february my next could be fun movie is 65 that's right i don't know why (laughs) as soon as in the trailer you have the 65 show up on screen even before they put the million after it i immediately was like okay this is going to be a movie set with dinosaurs 65 million years ago something to that effect and so uh yeah starring adam driver dealing with the future meeting the past who's gonna win out in the end the cgi looks questionable at best but i do like adam driver as an actor i do think that he is a lot of fun as an actor so could actually be a lot of fun but could also be garbage as well and you all know i'm very uh stringent when it comes to my view of cgi and so uh, let me just say I, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic for this movie and so that's why i do think that it ultimately could be a lot of fun my next could be fun movie is renfield i saw this trailer for the first time uh i went to the theater the other day and was finally able to to see this it was uh in my going to see knock at the cabin which is a movie i don't recommend i, I recently saw that one and i finally saw a trailer for this one i've been hearing about this movie and i never actually seen the trailer for it finally did And this movie also looks like it could be fun. Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. Nicholas Holt playing his slave, essentially. Um, Yeah, that alone is already kind of like, all right, sign me up. That being said, it is looking like it's obscure enough of a movie. It looks like it's going to be a very weird Nicolas Cage type movie. And sometimes those movies really hit really well. And sometimes those movies don't hit well at all. And so because of that fact, I am definitely cautiously optimistic with this one too. And that's why it is on my could be fun list. And then the last of my could be fun list is Gran Turismo. Now this was actually a surprise edition. Was not quite enough to make it onto my my full uh, top five list. And the reason why is because this is the next Neil Blomkamp movie. For those that don't know, the, the person that did District 9... Big fan of District 9. He then unfortunately went on to make Elysium, which had some interesting concepts to it, but ultimately didn't really deliver. And then he did the movie Chappie, which really should have just been called DeAntwood, the real-life story, featuring Chappie, because I felt like it was more of a DeAntwood movie. It's a it's a band. It's what, New Zealand band or something like that. Um, it felt like it was more of their story than it was about this robot. But what always stuck with me from Chappie was, I am Chappie. I am alive. So it's one of those movies that was never one that I thoroughly enjoyed, but it was one that I thought was was kind of bad that it was funny <laughs> in a certain respect. So Neil Blomkamp really hasn't done a whole lot since, 
uh, that, or at least not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen anything that he has done since Chappie. And then I found out that he was attached to this movie. This is based off of a, a video game. Apparently, it's also inspired by a true story as well. And the trailer is what got me. So there has not been an official uh, trailer for this movie, uh, at least as far as, as I'm aware as, as of the recording of this stream. But the initial teaser trailer has me pumped. Basically, think about the cinematography that they were able to get for Top Gun Maverick, but instead with race cars. They were showing some of the ways that they were getting the shots that they were getting with the way that they had the camera rigs on these actual race cars going full speed, uh, having some of the cameras inside the actual cars themselves. So that alone piqued my interest. As you all know, I, I love cinematography. It's one of the reasons why Top Gun Maverick is one of my favorite movies of the past year. Gran Turismo looks like it might have that same capacity. You have a capable director. He hasn't done everything perfectly well again if he's able to go back to his district nine days i think that he might be able to pull off something pretty special here there's also a bunch of other people that are involved with this project as well i believe it was orlando bloom i believe is also attached to this project and let me just say i am definitely intrigued by it especially the cinematography for the movie so those are my could be fun movies for 2023 who knows whether or not they will be any good but hey We'll have to wait and see. And that leads to my most anticipated films of 2023. And so this, I don't have in order of release date. This is, I do have ranked from top, uh, from, from the fifth to the first, as far as my most anticipated and just how anticipated I am for it. And what's most interesting about the number five movie on this list is that it's a movie that only just recently got added. Similar to Gran Turismo, this movie also just got added. My number five most anticipated film of 2023 is The Covenant. This is the new Guy Ritchie movie. As you all know, I'm a pretty big fan of the recent uh, movies that Guy Ritchie has been putting out. Whether it is The Gentleman, which was phenomenal. Whether it is the Jason Statham film that he did the uh, he, that he did last year, which was also very solid. Not as good as The Gentleman, but still solid nonetheless. I really like the direction that he's been going in with his movies more recently. And so this one, not only do you have it being a Guy Ritchie movie, you also have it featuring Jake Gyllenhaal, who is one of my favorite working actors right now in Hollywood. And uh, the trailer looks really awesome. The trailer looks like it's a lot of fun. I do have some concerns about some of the CGI. Some of the explosions looked a little bit too CGI'd to me, but the story looks very, very compelling. It looks like it is a story about a soldier who is knocked out, and doesn't know exactly what happened to him, finds out he was taken care of by this interpreter who was trying to basically serve the best way he could to, to make up for the fact that his family had gotten uh, attacked by, uh, by the Taliban, basically. And so uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who gets saved, is finding out, this is all from the trailer, finds out that the, the person, the interpreter, ended up saving his life and is still stuck over and is actually being hunted down by the Taliban. And so he wants to go back. So it sounds like a really interesting story about, about friendship, about brotherhood, and, and also about what we are willing to do to try to save those people who, um, who are willing to show themselves to, to care for us. And so the Covenant made it onto this list. And I thought that, again, very late addition to, to my list here. But hey, I love me some Guy Ritchie movies. And as I was going through the, the films to get released this year, I saw Guy Ritchie's name, immediately had to watch a trailer. And I was like, yep, this is definitely a movie that I have a lot of interest in going to see. Coming in at number four is Dune Part 2. This should not be a surprise to anyone. I uh, like Dune Part 1. I recognize that the film is by far, is, is far from perfect. 
Obviously, I, I think that this is a movie that should have been released. Personally, I would love this to have been a miniseries instead. So that way, Denis Villeneuve could have actually taken the time to tell the full story the way that it should be told. I thought that there were a lot of good things in part one. But it's going to be great to finally get a conclusion to the story as part one really ends in a very weird spot, I think. Um, and so, as you all know, I'm a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. And I think that he's going to continue to provide these uh, these visual spectacle uh, pieces. And again, I hope that this film also is able to deliver in being a complete movie. Whereas I think one of the biggest issues with Dune 1 was the fact that it just was not... Um, it did not have that complete movie feel to it, even though I thought that a lot of the stuff they did in the film was pretty good. So my number four most anticipated film, Dune Part 2. Coming in at number three is Oppenheimer. Christopher Nolan always is someone that intrigues me as a filmmaker, even though he's got some of the worst sound design decisions ever to be made, whether it's his decision in Tenet especially to make it so difficult to hear what is going on at any given time. I actually still had a lot of fun with that movie. I went in knowing that the sound design on the film was terrible, that the sound mix was terrible, and I was actually still able to understand the vast majority of the dialogue and actually really enjoyed the movie. This one looks more like a throwback to uh, some of the, you know, more of the the more realistic and grounded stories that he's so well known for. And to tell the story and the history of Oppenheimer, to tell the history of the development of the atomic bomb, uh, and, and just to see what he's going to be able to do with that, knowing what he did with films like uh, Interstellar and what he's likely going to do with this film. I gotta say, I'm excited to see this film on the big screen. I'm excited to see this film in IMAX. I, I love, of all the film technologies, you have, of course, James Cameron pushing his 3D nonsense technology, but then you have Nolan pushing his IMAX technology, and I think IMAX just gives such superior image quality and really just makes you feel so immersed within the world itself. And so definitely looking forward to Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan as my number three most anticipated film of the year. Coming in at number number two, most anticipated film of the year. Also, these should not be that much of a surprise to anyone who knows me. My number two most anticipated film of the year has to be, of course, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Worst name ever. I, I mean, it's going to drive me nuts doing box office covers for this. I probably will have to put just Dead Reckoning Part 1 in the title for it when I d eventually do it. But, oh my goodness, could they not have come up with some type of a better name or a better naming scheme for this movie. I mean, dear Lord, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That is just such a mouthful. <laughs> but I have to say, I'm looking forward to it. The, the, the teaser that they've released for it, the trailer that they've released for it, has just really, again, continued to make me interested to see exactly what Tom Cruise is going to do next. As you all know, Top Gun Maverick was my favorite film of 2022. Cannot wait to see what crazy stuff he decides to do in this film. And one of the things that I've always appreciated, especially more recently about the Mission Impossible films, is that ever since 3, and really with 4, I think being one of the best ones, Ghost Protocol... Um, you've seen them start to take it in a much more serious direction. It still has, again, that that kind of that fun action feel to it, right? That kind of hokiness to it in a certain respect. But it's definitely something to to aware. I don't think it's as hokey as as nothing's as hokey as that second film. That second film was just garbage. First film, though, definitely had a little bit of that to it. But I think ever since then, especially with Ghost Protocol, they've taken it a little bit more seriously. They've had the comedy and the comedic elements within it too. But the the, the visual effects are really what 
make this film and make these films a selling point. The stories are there. The stories are there to be able to still be able to pull you through and uh, make you appreciate what you're seeing on screen, make you buy into what you're seeing on screen. And of course, having someone like Tom Cruise behind the camera as one of the creative figures behind it, if he's able to do something similar to what he did with Top Gun and really take control of that, I think you could ultimately have a pretty um, a pretty good experience at the theater. Um, and I'm glad that people do agree with uh, Mission Impossible 2 being trash because it is ultimately pretty trash. And so therefore, my number one most anticipated film of 2023, and again, if you know me, this should be no surprise whatsoever, and that is John Wick Chapter 4. I love the John Wicks, uh, the franchise. John Wick 1, I think, is the best film in the franchise. 2, I think, has some of the best storytelling. 3 has some of the best action sequences. I can't wait to see what they do with John Wick 4. I definitely agree that this is starting to get to the point where it's getting a little long in the tooth. So I, I really hope that they are able to kind of blow us away. If they're able to take some of the best elements from 1, 2, and 3 and just put them all into one film, put a great film, a great story, great action all put together, and then you have, of course, Keanu Reeves doing his Keanu thing as John Wick, I think that there's going to be a lot of fun to be had with this movie. And so no doubt in my mind, John Wick 4 is going to be my most anticipated film of the year. I cannot wait for it. I'm glad that we're in a year where I don't have to worry about these movies being pushed back. I mean, you know, I remember for Top Gun Maverick, that movie was my number one most anticipated like two years in a row because of how much it got pushed back. But these are my five most anticipated films of the year. Covenant number five, Dune Part 2 at number four. Oppenheimer at number three, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One at number two, still a mouthful, and John Wick Chapter Four at number one. And so it, let me know in the comment section below what your uh, most anticipated films are of 2023. Do you agree with my list? Do you have your own movies? Let me know in the comment section down below. If you like this video, smash the like button, like the fireman, Aussie, smash the rumble button. You're all amazing and beautiful people. You'll have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. All right, so again, that last part was just for when I upload this tomorrow. So thank you all for, for bearing with me. Don't worry, we still have uh, about a good 45 minutes of show left. And so let me go ahead and dive into the comment section. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says, M-I-D-R-P-O. Uh, I could do that, but I don't think anyone's going to know what, what that's referring to. Raffles, what is going on? Raffles, thanks for being here. Says, individuals paying U.S. government debts as they always have. Hmm. I don't know exactly what that was a reference to, but welcome to the chat nonetheless. Again, put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment to let me know if you're trying to get my attention as I head back into the YouTube chat. Let's see what y'all were talking about. Uh, JKDBuck76 says, My wife bought Hogwarts Legacy for our son. I had no idea she was a turf bigot. <laughs> Sarcasm. I, of course, understand. Uh, such a turf <laughs> oh man people saying alamo draft house is great snort poop is who's a member says they'd have to pay me to see some of these movies they come out with now yeah oh believe me um i i don't think i have it within me to have a least anticipated film list i just think that the list would be just so long and ridiculous that it's just not even worth making um but uh <laughs> But yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, but there's there are good films, or, or at least there seem to be some pretty good films, or at least some intriguing films coming out this year. Let's see. Gary Banjo Sandwiches cannot wait for the new studio and background. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, definitely excited to see what's gonna happen. One of the one of the deals that I had to make with the lady Freya, um, because I was very much pushing against it. I was like, I kinda like having the two kitchens, you know, just in case something happens in the future where we might need to have the second kitchen or need to rent out the space or something to that effect. 
But then I also recognize that we do need to have an actual dedicated, <laughs> a dedicated bedroom space as well. Um, so one of the deals that we made is since we're going through this process that, um, and also since it's it's set to come in underneath the the budget that we set for it, that we would put a little bit more into trying to you know have some more creative elements and creative decisions being made, and uh, obviously trust my wife as a as a much more creative person than I am. All right, let's see. JKD Buck says, "I sure hope 2023 isn't as lame as 2022 when it comes to movies." As this, as I pointed out in my best of 2022 list, there were some good movies that came out. I mean, that's kind of the age that we're in. We've been in this age now for several years where we're in the land of mediocrity when it comes to Hollywood. The vast majority of films that come out are mediocre at best, and, and many of them are actually just downright terrible. But there are still a lot of good movies that still come out. Um, so I, d- I definitely do fight that premise a little bit. I, I, d- I do think that there are some some films that are that are worth seeing. And I do think that there were, for instance, last year, I know that there were some films that were worth, worth seeing. I know in 2021 there were films that were worth seeing too. But I definitely think we are in the age of mediocrity for, for sure. Jacob Buck says, I bet my kid will want to see Ant Person 3. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is definitely one that a lot of people, a lot of normies will probably want to go see. Yeah, I don't have any of the Marvel films on my list. I just, I don't care about the Marvel universe at this point. Um, I'm sure I'll have to see them to, to be able to talk about them for Friday Night Tights and stuff, but ultimately, I just I just don't care. Harvey says, did you see the trailer for Marlowe? It's a mystery starring Liam Neeson as Philip Marlowe, previously played by Humphrey Bogart, James Garner, Robert Mitchum, Powers Booth, and others. Uh, no, I have not. I just, I have no interest in these Liam Neeson movies. If, if it's Liam Neeson in Open Road, the chances of the film being a mediocre movie is incredibly high. So I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm probably going to push back on that one. Keely Chow says, there needs to be a Winnie the Pooh stoner comedy. <laughs> Jim One says, not sure if it's just me, but I'm a bit burnt out by superhero movies at the moment. I might check out Guardians 3, but I doubt it will be lining, I, I will be lining up to see the Marvels. Yeah, same thing with me, man. Again, some people are saying, oh yeah, Guardians 3 looks pretty good. I remember Guardians 2. That movie was a massive disappointment. I mean, Guardians 1 was a lot of fun. It's a movie that my wife and I will still watch, you know, probably once a year, actually. Um, But Guardians 2, we saw it, and we're like, yeah, we have no desire to ever watch this movie ever again. So for the people that have a lot of faith in Guardians 3, I don't know why they're having the faith in it. There's been nothing, really, that has um, indicated for anyone to have faith uh, in, in James Gunn, let alone in the Guardians universe. JKDBuck76 says, hey, that's CGI cocaine and not real cocaine. What gives? (laughs) No, it's obviously, it's the bear. Gary Banjo, big lines for cocaine bear that had to put up the fat rails to help guide traffic. Uh, Hardway, oh, is is that for real? Oh, a lot of people going to see it in the UK? Is that is, is that is that real or was that a joke in there? Howard says it's interesting that both of the first two movies on your list could be fun. List feature killer bears. Yeah, that's actually a, that is definitely a fair point to say the least. Yeah, I didn't even realize. Uh, I totally forgot about Winnie the Pooh being being a bear. <laughs> Gary Banjo says, "Great could be fun list." Yeah, again, they really honestly could be a lot of fun. They could also be complete and utter crap. <laughs> you don't say, says J.K.D. Buck Hardwick. Chappie is basically a very loose short circuit remake in a certain way. Yeah. Jakey Buck, Adam Driver is a great actor. Too bad he got stuck playing Kai Loserette. Yeah, I totally agree. 
I'm glad that he's been able to break away from that. Uh, you know, since that time, I'm glad that he has been able to to find other projects and do other things. Because yeah, I I, I agree. I think that he is an incredibly talented actor, and uh, I don't think he's ever I don't think he's given the uh, the props that I think that he honestly deserves as as an actor. I do think that he is uh, very very talented. All right, sorry, just getting something set up for the next segment. Uh, Raffle says the storyline for Covenant: individuals paying U.S. government debts as they always have. Yeah, you know, pretty much. But what's interesting about the trailer for Covenant is that um, he wants to go back in, and the government won't let him, and so then he has to end up going in solo. And I, I kind of like that aspect of him going in uh, again, going into another country without the approval of the government. You know, I like that kind of thing. Don't put me on a list, please. Uh, Hardwick says, you think that Adam Driver would be good casting as the Shadow? I don't know enough about the Shadow or have a lot of of uh, interest, knowledge of the Shadow to be able to say for sure. I think Adam Driver is a very versatile a- actor, though, so I think that he probably could could do pretty well in most things that he would do. Uh, Jacques Lesuave over on Odyssey says, with so much movie mediocrity, is there any room for a premium TV experience in the cinema? Like maybe special limited screenings of more epic scale TV shows, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, or does it clash too much with streaming services? It clashes. Uh, I mean, you're seeing some of it to a, to an extent, right? The Chosen, for instance, it's its first episode of season three got theatrical Fathom event. Uh, it's its finale got a theatrical Fathom event. So I think that you could definitely, and you have seen that before. There's been other shows that have gotten limited theatrical releases. Um, so you could absolutely see that to a certain extent. But yeah, I think that ultimately when it comes to those shows, though, I think that some of them might translate well onto the big screen when it comes to the vast majority of people watching those shows already, they're already used to watching it on their television. They're already used to being able to pause whenever it is that they need to pause to be able to go to the bathroom and not have to worry about anything else to be able to not have to spend an arm and a leg to buy their popcorn or anything like that. So I think ultimately it it wouldn't end up working all that well, uh, to be honest. Dan Crane, what's going on? Uh, he's a member on the channel saying, Hail Odin. Hail Odin. Just woke up from my nap. Well, I hope the nap, the nap was good. J.K.D. Buck says, The trailer looks really awesome. Is something you would say to a real estate agent in my hometown. Interesting. Um, Obama Nation over on Odyssey says, I solved it. Miss Imp Dr. Poe. Oh, Mission Impossible. Okay, first I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, so Mission Impossible, uh, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. And for him, he says it should be Miss Imp, <laughs> Dr. Poe. No one will ever mistake it for anything but Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Will they, though? Uh, I think that might be <laughs> I love you, Abomination. Uh, that says, uh, Odin is already on a list for having a son commit such an atrocity as putting pineapple on pizza. It's true. It's so very, very, very true. Uh, Gary Banjo Sandwich says, sand movies? Yeah, a lot of sand movies. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. It gets everywhere. Uh, J.K.D. Buck is excited for Dune 2. Indeed, indeed, indeed. All righty. Looking for tags. Hardwick, who's a member, also tagged to say, I recently saw a video about making about movie sound mixing that explain, among other things, why Nolan's sound mixing is the way that it is. I'll look in the Discord later. Uh, I'll, I'll try and watch it when I can. I think, ultimately, uh, his mindset is to try to make the background noise louder and 
because in his mind, and there might be some science to it, it makes the experience seem to be a bit more engaging. It makes the experience seem to be a bit more um, uh, realistic, I guess. The problem, though, ultimately that comes with it is that when, you fors- when you're trying to make dialogue harder to hear because you're trying to create a more realistic experience about what it would actually be like, that's a problem because dialogue is what drives stories. And if people don't know what's going on in the story because they can't hear the dialogue, it doesn't matter what your methodology or logic is for doing what it is. JKD Buck says, I finally watched the John Wick movies this weekend. Really good stuff. Weird, but good. Oh, yeah. There are a ton of fun. JK Buck says, Indiana Jones 5, The Dial of Diversity comes out this year. I'm skipping it. Yep. No interest in that movie for me. Harwick then says, Mission Impossible 3 was solid. Ghost Protocol was excellent. But for me, Rogue Nation was when the franchise rose to the level of top-tier Bond movies like GoldenEye. Uh, again, I would again respectfully disagree. For me, that, it w- that one was Ghost Protocol. Like, P- Protocol to me was when it was like, okay, now they're actually getting serious and they're having a lot of fun. Rogue Nation was good. But uh, Ghost Protocol, to me, was uh, was just a bit better. Uh, Scott McKenzie says, Your top five anticipated are good. Hey, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear that you enjoyed it. Geek Truth, sorry, late to the party. I'd put 65 and Meg 2 on my anticipated list just for dumb fun. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, the first Meg movie was was dumb fun to an extent. But, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I, the fact that they made a sequel out of it just really grinds my gears. It's like, no, just, just, just take... The fact that your first movie wasn't as bad as it should have been, and leave it at that. Don't 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 come back with a sequel to a movie that really shouldn't have existed in the first place. Uh, low watermark. Thank you so very much for the twenty-five dollar donation via Streamlabs, saying nothing to see here, but I see you, low watermark. Thank you for circumventing Mama Susan. Really does really do appreciate that, and thank you for always being very supportive of the channel, low watermark. I appreciate that. By the way, Wayward Noodle, I'm getting into your super chat in just a second. In fact, here it is. Uh, thank you very much for the $5 super chat. Says here, Mueller on EFAP gave high praise to the new Puss in Boots. Coming in late from work, you guys talk about it. If not, have you seen it? Thoughts? Uh, so I've still not yet seen it, but it is definitely on my radar. I think that might be the film I try and go see using my movie pass card uh, to try and test that one out because I have heard good things about it. I've not seen the first one, and I have no plans of seeing the first Puss in Boots. Um, but I have heard good, en- enough good things where I might just be willing to to test out <laughs> uh, to test out the uh, the movie pass to see if it's if it's still a scam or if it's going to end up working in the end. All right, Scott McKenzie, whose member says, "I guess it's good you aren't naming the next one Harry and Bedroom under the stairs." <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Gilly Chow, you're interested in the Marvel movies from Sony. Um, so the only one that I am aware of this year, uh, and again, there could be more, but the one that I'm aware of is what into the spider verse. I hated the animation to the first one and they're doing the same animation. So I, I don't, I really don't have an interest. The more act, no super Mario brothers. No, no, I, I, I don't have an interest. And, and again, I go back to one of my biggest criticisms of the trailer. I'm sorry. I don't want to see a movie where Chris Pratt is just doing Chris Pratt as the voice for Mario. I, I just, again, I can't get over the fact that he's not even trying. And if he is, it, it's very, very minimal trying at best. And my guess is that I would not be surprised if it's less his fault and more the director's fault because they're like, we want your name. We want your voice to still be recognizable. It's like, 
No, people want to go see it to see a Mario. They, they want to go see it to hear a Mario-style voice. The fact that you have other trailers and other languages coming out, and every single one of them, even in their native language, sounds much more like Mario than, than, than he does. I'm sorry, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. J.K.D. Buck. Guardians 2 is pitiful. I swear a fifth grader <laughs> wrote the story. My 17-year-old mom. Yep, I would agree with that. Master Gaming, I'm also burnt out in superhero movies. I think most of us are. Rob D, what movie do you th- uh, see being number one at the box office by the end of 2023? I have no idea. I have not looked at the box office projections for any of those. Uh, I think, you know, the first Dune wasn't that much of a moneymaker. Um, so most of the films on my list, I, I don't necessarily see as being big moneymakers. I guess Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning could be up there. But yeah, I, I haven't looked at movies from that perspective um, at this point in time. Just a reminder, if you're on Rumble, Odyssey, or YouTube, smash the like button, like the fire button on Odyssey, and smash the Rumble button as well. And uh, put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin, lets me know that you're trying to get my attention, and I'll be happy to read your comments. We'll read through a few more, and then we'll dive into the, 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 the domestic box office battle going on right now between Avatar Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick. be interesting to see where it goes. See Hardwick. I think the dramatic elements in Guardians Volume 2 with Star-Lord, Ego, and Yondu were even better than those in the first movie, even though some of the humor didn't land. And I would say, completely forgot that even happened because the entire story is forgettable. Rob D. says, I watched Fantastic Beasts 3 and Uncharted this week. God save you, good sir. Both were decent, not great. Planning to watch a lot more to prep for the Ravens. Um, Fantastic Beasts 3 was garbage and Uncharted was almost unwatchable. So, again, God bless you for being able to get through those. <laughs> J.K.D. Buck, who is more evil, Jar Jar Abrams or Taika Waititi? Taika, for sure. I mean, I think we could have a lot more anger with Jar Jar because of the franchises that he's been involved with. But I think as far as actual embodiment of evil, Taika. Average Patriot Nerd says, Gunn's lackluster announcement of the DCU has muted my excitement for Guardians 3. I need to look into the Winnie the Pooh movie, which could be fun. Again, it could be, or it could also be complete and utter garbage for all we know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see where those things go. Uh, Jyla, what's going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you in the chats. Again, Lil Watermark, thank you very much for that very generous donation. Good night to you, Tina. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, says that she can go to the neurologist on Thursday. Absolutely good luck to you, Tina. We are continuing to pray for you and your recovery um, and, and hope that you uh, can regain that sight soon. Hardwick says, Nolan mixes his sound for theaters that use fancy audio systems with dozens of tracks and refuses to make special mixes for what he considers subpar sound systems such as 5.1 and 7.1. Here's the problem with that, Hardwick. I've seen his movies in the very theaters that he's made them for. Remember, he shoots with IMAX. He's made it for IMAX. IMAX has a specific standard to them. And guess what? The mixing still sucks. So that's a terrible argument, Hardwick. If that's his reasoning, guess what? His reasoning is flawed because here's one thing. Here's a secret as far as the IMAX theaters go. Even though they are inside of an AMC, AMC cannot play around with any of the settings of those IMAX uh, cameras, or rather of those IMAX projectors or anything. Um, it is something that it is 
it is dialed in by the people at IMAX to do very specific things. So that is a terrible argument because I've seen his films in IMAX. I saw Tenet in IMAX, and guess what? It had the same exact mixing problems. So I've seen it in the theaters that it's made for. Doesn't make a difference. So that's a terrible excuse. Orange Hat says, is Odin short short-circuiting? It sounded like he was skipping. I hope not. I hope that's not the case. I'm not seeing any drop frames on my end from OBS. Uh, Geek Truth says, there is an animated Ninja Turtles movie coming out this year. It can't be worse than the Bay Turtle movies. Yeah, maybe, but it is what it is. Uh, Harvick says, no one has heard the complaints about his sound mixing disagrees with them. And guess what? If that is his justification, he is the one that is wrong. I love Nolan as far as a filmmaker is concerned, but if that is his argument, guess what? He's wrong. And that makes it even worse. Like that that makes him into an elitist snob and makes me respect him even less. So that's not helping his case if if that's honestly what he's saying. And again, that's just what Hardwick is saying he's saying and it sounds like it would be something he would say, but see Hyperin says, "Oh, it's crazy how much competition in March John Wick might have to put up with." On uh, Scream, Shazam, uh, Dinosaurs, <laughs> which is 65, and Battle Between Dead Reckoning and Oppenheimer will be legendary. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see some box office competition back. Um, ultimately, though, here's the thing. I don't think John Wick is going to really have to deal with that much competition from, uh, from Scream. Scream is a very specific audience. They show up, those movies cost very little, and they're able to make their money back and some profit. That's about it for Scream. Scream's not going to bring in big dough. It's just going to bring in enough for it to make its money back and to make some profit. Um, 65, again, that that's one where it's like, it could be fun, but it could also be complete trash. And so I think there's going to be a lot more hype around John Wick 4. I think John Wick 4 is going to definitely be the winner at the box office for the weekend that it comes out. Um, as far as Dead Reckoning, I don't know if Dead Reckoning and Oppenheimer are coming out the same Here's the other thing, too. Are they coming out the same weekend, or are they coming out staggered? Um, it's it's not very common to see two big movies coming out at the same exact time. So maybe there will still be some shifting going on at uh, as far as the actual release schedule goes. See, Master Gaming says, Speaking of Adam Driver, he is in a movie directed by Michael Mann called Ferrari Coming Soon. Interesting. Hybrid says, Do you think if Chris Pratt mo- Mario ends up having a Brooklyn, New York accent, it might work? Or kind of like how Lou Albano sounded in anime. I respect your opinion on on the voice. Here's the thing, though, is that they're so far into filming. Um, I again, they they would have to re-record all of his lines, and I just don't see them doing that. I really don't. I think they believe him being attached to it will bring in some people, and to change it would, would probably not. So you're not seeing the same type of backlash against his voice as you did for Sonic with his design, right? So because of that, I don't think they would see it as being worth it. It was worth it for Sonic to spend the extra time and extra money fixing those issues. Um, but I, I think that with the voice, it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario. So JKD Buck says, I was really into Nolan's movie Interstellar until it became clear that humanity was going to survive. I loved Interstellar. It was a film the second time around I thought was was just great. Harvick says, I don't know if I explained it very well. The video explains it better, but I'm inclined to agree with the elitist snob assessment of Nolan's take on the matter. Yeah, and again, if his, based on what you said, he said that he mixes his movies 
for for premium screens that have what 5.1 7.1 surround sound and that he does not want to create subpar mixes the problem though is that the movies that are shown right made with IMAX cameras made for IMAX screens have the same exact problem that people in regular 2D screens talk about so it's clearly not the mix um, or rather, it's clearly not the the transfer of the 5.1 to the to the sub so-called subpar sound systems. It's clearly his mixing that's the problem. And if that's his excuse, then yeah, that that comes off as elitist snobbery, and also just not based in reality. Abomination over on Odyssey says, "Wonder which will be better, Scream or Winnie the Pooh." I mean, I'm more inclined to want to go see Winnie the Pooh over Scream. I just have no interest in the Scream franchise. I know that there's some love that is out there for Scream. Not not really for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely think that there is uh, something to be said for Winnie the Pooh being at least somewhat interesting. JKD Buck says, I liked Pedro Pascal as Mario in the recent SNL skit. That's the funny thing SNL has had in 30-plus years. I agree. By the way, man, I will say um, the first few segments of this past weekend's SNL were actually really, really good. Uh, I actually even watched them with with my wife uh, because she likes Pedro Pascal from having watched um, The uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And um, again, I'm so sad that he is a jerk in real life. Because he's such a likable personality on screen um, that I really honestly think is, is <laughs> it's again, that's totally on him. He's the one who has decided to, you know, to take on that persona and to do the things that he's done and to say the things that he's done. And it, it's in, it's sad. I, I think it's not going to end up working out for him in, in the long run. All right. So the last thing to talk about tonight before wrapping things up is the battle currently waging between Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water. Let me see if I can enhance, enhance. Too much enhancement. So right now, the battle between the domestic box office specifically, because again, we can go back up and realize, hey, there is no competition worldwide. Avatar Way of Water is at $2.1 billion. Top Gun Maverick tapped out around $1.4 billion, roughly $1.5. So clearly, international edge goes to Avatar Way of Water. $1.5 billion from international alone, Versus the 768. But what's interesting to me is when you look at the opening domestic weekends. All right. First off, Avatar Way of Water had a $12 million advantage. All right. So think about that number, $12 million. You also had huge amounts of money going into the movie very early on in its release. Now, what's interesting about all of that, though, is that even with all of that money, the film is at $637 million domestically, whereas Top Gun Maverick ended around 718.7. Now, as you can see, very early on, there actually were some there, there was some back and forth going on, right? So the first Sunday, Top Gun Maverick actually had a better first Sunday for the first Monday. And again, this has to do with holidays too, and so it's not always a fair comparison. But there was some back and forth going on, right? And then there was a clear run where in the second to third weekend, you can see the bold numbers here are all for are all for Avatar 2. The movie was winning. And then we started to see a shift happen, right? Where the weekday numbers started to very much heavily, heavily favorite Top Gun Maverick, right? So the fourth Monday, for instance, 75558 versus the 34327 um, of Avatar 2. The weekend still ended up going 
to that of uh, Avatar in the fifth weekend. But then, as you can see, we start to see another shift happen, where almost every single daily release starts to go by sometimes even a few million dollars to Top Gun Maverick. So again, that $12 million advantage in just the first weekend alone, and add on top of that after, let's, let's, let's see if we can get this by the second weekend. So by the second Sunday, you had, uh, it was uh, $261 million that was made by uh, Avatar Wave Water, 295 that had been made by Top Gun Maverick. So actually, yeah, this was very impressive to the fact that this movie, right, Avatar ended up having, actually, no, it was third weekend, right? First two weeks were the two holidays, and so it's the third week that we saw the, the big change happen. So that's, yeah, so that's why you saw 425 versus 395, uh, respectively. So you're looking at around $30 million advantage here. And that advantage continued on for a long time. But again, as the films have gone further out, you've seen the advantage swing more so to Top Gun Maverick and including the weekend numbers, right? So for instance, if you look to the sixth weekend numbers, 798 versus 496, more money was made by Top Gun Maverick in their sixth weekends comparatively. Continues to win out the weekdays, then you look to the seventh weekend numbers, 464 versus 374. Once again, you're seeing the edge go to Top Gun Maverick there. Continuing to see the, again, domestic dailies continue to edge out and go towards that of Top Gun Maverick. You then have the eighth weekend numbers, 343 versus 253. Again, edge going there. Now, what's most interesting to me, though, and the reason why I'm doing this segment is because of this number here. For the 8th Monday, I did not think, one, that, that Avatar was going to drop below a million dollars for a daily number, let alone fall to $718,000 for a daily number. And this is what's interesting, right? So remember, originally there was a $12 million advantage to that of um, to that of Avatar Wave Water. By the time of the third weekend, you have about a $30 million advantage to Avatar The Way of Water. Now, you look at these numbers and you're seeing, okay, now it's down to a $17 million advantage. So if these numbers continue, right, the $2 million one, right, let's see, Top Gun Maverick did not drop daily below a million dollars. It's not even on the chart, there's at no point in the 10 weeks that they charted for Top Gun Maverick where it dropped below a million dollars on a daily number. So by the fact that in the eighth week of its release, it's already hit a point where a daily number has gone, gone underneath a million, this tells me a couple things. One, the movie's been out for a long time, and this is something that naturally happens. But now you're also starting to see other films compete against the film as well. Right. In fact, if you look to the daily numbers for this, you'll actually go ahead and pull this up as we like to do things live here on the channel. You'll, as you'll see here, the Monday numbers, 80 for Brady, one on Monday with $1.2 million. Knock at the Cabin dropped to $909,000. Avatar came in at number three. So it's interesting to me that Avatar, even on this Monday, when you see these massive drops for 80 for Brady knock at the cabin, wasn't even able to win there. Now we'll have to wait and see what numbers that come in on the Tuesday, right? Cause Tuesdays are discount Tuesdays. So sometimes you see a little bit of a higher number there, but it is interesting that after eight weeks, the film finally has a daily number underneath a million dollars. 
Maverick never saw that happen in the first 10 weeks. So essentially, if the trend continues, as it has been now for several weeks, where Top Gun Maverick continues to trend daily ahead of where Avatar was, and also we see Avatar continue to have that natural drop-off that a film has after eight or nine weeks in release, as we will, of course, see as this film will be competing up against more and more movies, as we have, a, again, a huge slate of films that to come out starting this month going into March as well. Finally, some competition coming to it domestically. Will it be able to keep up with the number? And eventually, will we see, because again, $655 million is as far as the tracking on the numbers site actually goes. The final domestic total for, for Top Gun Maverick was 718 So we're talking well over $60 million more that Top Gun made. The question that I have, how much more money does Avatar have in the domestic tank for one? Will we see on this chart Top Gun Maverick edge out against the movie? And again, about a $17 million difference at this point in time. I would say, especially with on a daily number, this film dropping below a million dollars, I would definitely say that there is a chance of that being the case. What is that end domestic number then going to be for Avatar Wave Water. I still think $700 million is a possibility. And if that is the case, then Top Gun Maverick is the highest grossing domestic release of 2022. Or do we see some things change and turn around? Do we see them try to do re-releases? Maybe do we see the numbers increase for Avatar because there's another James Cameron movie coming out um, in, in, in that of Titanic or not? Who knows? It's just going to be very interesting to see where these films line up, and also where they compare when everything is said and done. So anyway, I just was very surprised to see that Avatar actually dropped below a million dollars eight weeks out. And again, based on all the tracking done on the numbers, there was not a single day in 10 weeks that Top Gun Maverick ever dropped below a million dollars. Now, I have not checked out to see if other sites have been able to um, you know, track beyond this. I'll go ahead and try and pull up some some of the numbers here from Box Office Mojo. As you all know, I, I don't really prefer using uh, Box Office Mojo. I try to uh, to avoid it whenever I can. Um, so let's go ahead and see if I can pull up the Top Gun Maverick numbers here and see if they go past the 10-week number as far as the weekly tracking. All right. Let's see. It's been so long since I've used Box Office Mojo in any real way. <laughs> So it's it's a little bit hard to see. Let me try clicking on the domestic. All right, let's see. So that is the day of release. Let's see if they do domestic weekend. Domestic weekly. I guess I want to do domestic daily. So let's see. This goes... Okay, yes. Yeah, so this one does go out a bit further than what that one had. All right, so let's see. Oh, I wish I was able to actually see the, the actual legit numbers themselves. So when did Avatar, rather, when did Top Gun Maverick finally drop below a million dollars? So this was August 10th, 76. On day 76, it dropped. So on day 53, Avatar dropped below a million dollars. It took until day 76 for Top Gun Maverick 
to drop below a million dollars, according to boxofficemojo.com. So that's the reason why I look at that number and I say, not only did it take that long for it to drop below a million dollars, look at what it dropped to, 900000 So how long did it take to drop to the $700,000 level? That wasn't until day 88, as again, a bit of a comparison here. So interesting numbers, to say the very least. And I know that some people care about box office, some people don't, but I find it compelling and it'll be interesting to see what film ends up being the highest grossing domestic release of 2022. Easily, Avatar Wave Water takes the cake internationally, no doubt about it. You have over 200 plus million dollars in China, right? $200 million of that going to the CCP to fund the CCP and all their human rights violations. You have all of that going on, right? But at the same time, even without China, you still have a very massive $1.3 billion hit internationally, even without those China numbers. However, domestically is a very, very interesting dynamic, to say the least. All right, jumping back into the chat, we got JKDuck76 saying, I hope Indiana Jones 5 is what makes them fire Darlene Kennedy. I just don't know if she can be fired. I just don't know. Victor Fontaine says, aside from your list, also looking forward to Ghostbusters at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost put that on my list, but I don't want, I, I did not want them to do a, a follow-up to uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think that would have been a perfect one-off movie. The fact that they're continuing it, I, I personally was, wasn't a big fan of. Harvey says, have you seen Evil Dead Rise? It looks quite good. Interesting, Sam Raimi is producing two movies this year, 65 and Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, I saw that he was on 60, 65 as a producer. No, I'm not a big fan of the new Evil Dead movies. I don't like horror films in general, so I stay away from them. Um, I, I like the original like Evil Dead 2 and, and Army of Darkness because those were more campy. These seem to be a bit more serious, so not my, not my cup of tea. Hyperman says, you've given me no choice but to declare you excommunicado. All Marsh movies end up getting whacked by John Wick. Yeah, pretty much all Marsh movies are going to be able to receive this message. You leave me no choice but to declare you excommunicado. I mean, again, ultimately, that is likely going to have to be the case. JKD Buck says, Pascal is a D-bag canoe, really. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's see. Hyper and Tad to say, the only thing that was missing from the SNL skit was him screaming Alistair from 10184. Martha versus Alistair, name of justice. I, I think actually, no, what would have made it uh, a little bit better for him is, uh, oh my goodness. I think a couple more lines from the traditional Mario canon would have been good too. Like, here we go, or something like that. JKD Buck says, I told you Avatar 2 would hit $2 billion. You did. You did. I do think it's funny, though, that people said, you said it was going to fail. It's like, no, I never did. <laughs> Ambrose Chamberpot, what's going on? Victor Fontaine, what is going on? Avatar 2 peaked at $50 million advantage over Top Gun, now down to $17 million. And as you can see, there's about a 20-day advantage that Top Gun is going to have. And so is it going to be enough to make up that difference? I think it probably will. Two more weeks, they will hit even domestically, says Victor Fontaine, based on his numbers. That sounds about right. Uh, let's see, Relina. Shameful that schlocky Titanic got re-released for its 25th anniversary, but Aladdin 92 did not get one for its 30th. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, here's the interesting thing, though. Titanic, the rights to Titanic are not owned by Disney. 
it's a uh, it's a Paramount release, I believe. So that is actually the interesting thing uh, about it um, is is the fact that it's actually not going to be Disney. Now, again, whether or not it's something to where they are releasing it or something to that effect, but yeah, I was looking at that and I, I thought it was interesting that Titanic is uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a uh, Titanic was a Paramount uh, release. Let me see if I can look at it. Yeah. It was uh, released by Paramount, and I believe that would have made them a part of... Yeah, so the original... So, yeah, the original production was 20th Century Fox and Paramount. So, I'm guessing Disney might be getting some of that money, since there was a... uh, I don't know what the split on the production was between 20th Century Fox and Paramount, but Paramount was the distributor on the movie. So, so it's not completely that, but yeah, no, I I think it is ridiculous. And my bigger problem though, with the re-release is, is the fact that they're going to try and push the stupid 3d nonsense. I'm just so sick and tired of the 3d nonsense. I really am. It needs to die. And the person that will not let it die is James Cameron. And so that's why I will continue to fight against films like Avatar because not only are the films just not very good, but then also they continue to push the idea that, oh, if we just, if we just push movies to be in 3d and if we just push for more cgi and if we just push for more of this expensive filmmaking that's how we'll make our money and it's like no it's just james cameron has been able to somehow uh, figure out the code right he's been able to somehow figure out the the magic formula in order to make the amount of money that he's been able to make off of all of these movies he's he's a he's a one in the million for sure Harwick says, I wonder if it's specifically social media that brings out the worst in Pedro Pascal. Gina Carano claims that he's a beautiful soul. Based on, again, everything from even his opening monologue for, for SNL, you're just like, you just seem like such a nice guy. So maybe it is social media. And that, that one actually does make a lot of sense. Social media has been shown time and time again to have such a negative impact on the human soul, on, on the human psyche. So maybe that's what needs to happen is that he just needs to you know get away from that. Because, yeah, when Gina Carano, who is very much not really on the same side of him, probably politically on a lot of things, is is saying something like that, it, one, says a lot about Gina Carano, but then also it says, hey, yeah, maybe there's something more to be said there. How much trouble is Disney in money-wise? Again, I haven't broken down all of the numbers yet for 2022, but they're, yeah, I mean, Avatar is making them a lot of money. There's there's just no denying that. Um but they lost still a lot of money in, in 2022, so it'll be interesting to see. That's one of the reasons why I have not done my biggest losers and biggest winners of 2022 box office yet is because of Avatar. Because that film is still hanging around, is still making profit, so I probably won't be able to make that video until end of February, maybe early March. Uh, let's see, Hyper says, Other than Mario, is there another video game character you think should have a movie? I've always wondered what a Zelda or Metroid movie would look like today's. I mean, I would love to see a live action, not a, and I, I, I don't really like the whole animated movie. I mean, there are some obviously good animated movies, but I personally for, for Zelda, for that type of story would love to see a, um, a live action version. I know there've been some like fan editions, fan renderings of what it could look like. Um, but that could be really cool. If you were to get someone like Denis Villeneuve, I'm not saying it has to be him, but someone like him, like a visionary guy, I think that they could probably pull it off pretty well, and it could be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I would like to see that a lot. Uh, JK Buck says, Zelda has so many things they could do, I guess. I mean, yeah, there's just so many stories that they could absolutely do. 
Harvey says, when the cancel mob started going after Gina Carano, Pedro Pascal posted a drawing of Mando hugging Cara Dune in support of her. He didn't speak out publicly later when she got fired, though. Yeah, and again, I, I think that that was probably a business move on his part. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if like he probably said some some kind things to her behind the scenes or something like that. I mean, again, I think that it's it's crappy to not uh, to not give the love that that um, to not give the love and give the support that she probably sh- should have gotten from him. But ultimately, you know, it is what it is. So anyway, with that being said, we are at time. So everyone who was watching on Rumble, on Honesty, on YouTube, thank you so very much. Hopefully you enjoyed my most most anticipated films of 2023. And uh, of course, let me know in the comment section down below if you're watching this after the fact, what your most anticipated films of 2023 are, um, what your... Uh, and if you want to have fun with it, your your could be fun movies, right? Your your hey, I'm not necessarily too excited for this, but hey, they, they could be fun movies. And then your actual, you know, top five, maybe top three, or even top two, if you have even that many um, uh, most anticipated films, would be interested to hear what y'all have to say about that. Um, this will, of course, be posted as a podcast episode. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, thank you for being a podcast supporter. And also, this will be uh, that you know most anticipated list will also be posted tomorrow as the main video uh, for tomorrow. So again, thank you all for, for being supportive of, of, of me being able to do that and to be able to clip that out after the fact. Um, and uh, again, thank you very much for your love and support this evening. Thank you, Wayward Noodle and Low Water Mark for your donations this evening. It does help out a lot. Um, and it definitely continues to, to, to push the ship going forward. Kimberly G, you have a good night. JKD Buck, I'd like to see uh, Carano glove up and beat Darthling Kennedy. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I do not condone violence, uh, but uh, <laughs> love you, JKD Buck. Anyway, thank you all so very much for being here. Please make sure before you head out, you smash the like button, like the five minute Aussie, and smash the rumble button as well. You are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon locals and Subscribestar members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above, starting off with Father Luca Illich, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who you can check out over on YouTube by the same name, Hymir Irie Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out at his YouTube channel by the same name as well, Laura, the Modern Major General's story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, and Miss Martin Muses, which goes by the same name on YouTube. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on Patreon. And also for my subscribe star peeps, we got Matt317. Check out his Twitch channel by the same name. Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod the Beer Guru, and ZK Man, who can check out over at xtheboundaries.co. And also, lastly, to my locals members, starting off with Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me for the month of February. You guys are all fantastic. If you want your name shouted out, access to exclusive podcasts and exclusive giveaways, check out the top link in the video description below. Anyway, you guys are all great. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And as always, God bless.